Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is December 4th, 2019. It's the fourth day of Christmas today. Now, uh, a lot of things have been happening. There is a lot to talk about, like we always do here, 12 to 2 Eastern Time, Monday through Friday on Red State Talk Radio. Where do I start? Uh, I could say um, my day has been uh, pretty interesting. Uh, You know, pretty much solidifies how the media, how reporters, how people who are giving you the news are really, mm, I would say, not. I'm gonna I'm gonna choose my words carefully because I'm pretty sure I don't want to say something I will torch things with. I am very um, saddened to see that alternative means of communications via forums and boards and radio are the only means that people can actually get the news on. Uh, There are a few uh, reporters that um, are your traditional alternative media uh, that are putting out messages, but the Silence in regards to topics that we've been discussing for months is deafening. And, you know, many times I express how upset I am when we've been talking about something eight months ago, seven months ago, six months ago, a few weeks ago, and then suddenly it's on Twitter or some site that everybody's supposed to know about, but they don't as breaking news. And it's like, "Mm, yeah, talked about that a while back. You're kind of late to the party because if you brought it to the party in the beginning, we wouldn't be in the situation we are now because you supposedly have a bigger platform. So get it together and do your job as a reporter, as a journalist, as an investigative journalist, you should be putting out information that not only arms the citizens, because we have to remember That we are not people that are governed. We govern. And see, I've been saying this to my state. I could say in North Dakota, man, that case study that I put out there in regards to Lutheran social services uh, three weeks ago really made an impact. Because 
things have just started heating up here. Uh, I spoke to numerous reporters in the state. None of them said a word. And suddenly, you know, one reporter, you guys know, I love his report. He's like the only person that reports things. Chris Berg was like, wait a minute. In my city of Fargo, they're holding a vote to see if we're taking in refugees like Secretary Pompeo asked us. And I just got their packet. And before they have a vote, they already have a letter, you know, already printed up and typed up saying, hey, uh, we know you're going to make this public, but we're going to go ahead and keep taking refugees. And it's like, but you didn't take the vote. How did you write the letter? So the vote was a facade. And what I knew at that time on November 13th, when I saw the packet uh, come through on November 8th, well, it was 16th that I knew about, it. <laughs> but I properly, through the proper channels, got it um, on the 20th, um, to be fair. But I knew about it from before, hence my little write-up about, you know, you can find it on ToriSays.com. It's North Dakota Case Study, where I put information out to provoke thought. Look who's making money. Look who's doing this. Children, unaccompanied minors paying one person to adopt a kid, $750,000. And it's miskeyed. No prosecution on actual huge money crimes. What is going on, right? That's basically it. And so I put it out there to the journalists. Nobody bit. Nobody took the bait. But I did speak with a few legislators. Ah. So this Fargo thing, people went there. And all you heard was people promoting to bring on all these refugees. It's great for the economy. We need workers. And it's like, here's the dumb thing. Do you know in the state of North Dakota, they actually pay places like Walmart to hire the refugees? Yet... The Native American population and the North Dakotans that don't have jobs, right, aren't being hired because no one's paying them to hire them. So why not spend that money on hiring your own people or maybe better yet, that money they pay you to hire North Dakotans? Why don't you use that to bump up their salary so it can be more attractive? That's the main idea. Well, here's the thing. Obviously, the people in Fargo, you know, were late to the party, but the people in Bismarck weren't because I had a lot of earwigging done through my channels in the capital city. And boy, they stormed the place. They didn't even have room, right, to actually house all the people that came because they wanted to know how this is going to vote because the governor already said, without asking the people, because if you canvass the people, they'll be like, uh, no, can we fix our state first? Um, he was like, yep, we're taking refugees. We don't care. So then it comes down on the counties and the county was holding a vote, but they didn't tell the people they were holding a vote. They didn't even tell them. This is the way it is. They didn't even tell them. And you have to think, why wouldn't they tell them that, they're holding a vote. They were putting it down as a consensus. And so people stormed the place and they had to suspend that so they can have room for every single person to come in and, vo and, and have a discussion and watch them vote so that the people of the county can testify. What was great is, is that I saw that the actual um, mayor of the city of Bismarck, 
super awesome was like, look, if the county says it, you know, that doesn't mean that me as mayor, that on a city level, I'm going to allow it to be implemented. And here's the thing. And I'm going to play a clip from Tucker, but I'm going to show you how this is applicable. Tucker made a great point pointing out um, vulture investors, right? Vulture investors. I've talked about it. I've told you about it. I've told you how they make money, how they sell out companies, countries, the whole nine yards, IMF being one of the biggest ones because they trade in debt, right? But this is how it works. Lutheran Social Services is supposedly a charity or charitable organization. They're the ones that actually take our federal and state tax dollars, and they did this to Minneapolis, and they're president, they're president in almost every state, and they literally go out to these countries and they buy or you would say buy because they pay people to go down there, bring these uh, refugees in. Now, they're not bringing the refugees from like Burkina Faso that were in the church and were being slaughtered or the Christians that are being slaughtered in Kenya or Somalia. They're bringing in the ones that don't want to assimilate. And then when they come here, their next level relatives also come here because they invite them, right? So then they just, you know, propagate. So when they come here, we give them housing, clothing, food, a job if they're work ready, English as a second language to teach them how to speak English. And this is all done with your money and the state's money. (laughs) Millions, actually. Millions. There is a little clip I'm going to play from Chris Berg where he broke down uh, a little bit of that, uh, you know, uh, cash economics where... um, the facts were actually laid out on how much money we are really spending uh, when it comes to um, the English as a second language. We're talking millions. Take a listen. Votes today in North Dakota. Speaking about sort of immigration, refugee resettlement, the, the, the votes today were about refugee resettlement. There was one here today in Cass County, another one that was supposed to happen in Burley County. But here's where I want to go to start tonight. Then we're going to lay out some facts for you. Then we've got an interview with uh, Chairman of the Cass County Commission, Chad Peterson, also the CEO of Lutheran Social Services, Jessica Thomason. But I want to start with this, because I think oftentimes you're sitting at home, you're going to watch some of you that watch this on social media, and you start to wonder, you know, does my voice really matter? Is it really going to make a difference if I speak up? It does. I want to share with you how much your voice makes a difference when you speak out about issues that matter to you. So the question posed to our county commissioners in both Cass and Burley County is, hey, should we continue to resettle refugees in both of these counties? So myself here at Point of View and also KFYR Radio, uh, we put out some polls on Facebook regarding this question. I want to share with you the results of those polls and then show you the power of your voice. Now, I get these aren't scientific polls. So they're Facebook. Take them for what they are. But it's just kind of some interesting feedback to look at the results. So on the POV Now poll, if you can go to our Facebook page, 1.5, I wanted to say million, 1.5 thousand people voted on this. Uh, this is probably a couple hours ago. You can see here, though, 76% in Cass County said no, we do not want any more refugee resettlement. So seeing that, how do you think the commissioners in Cass County voted earlier today? More on that in a moment. Now, you've got Burley County as well, KFYR Radio. They did a similar poll. You can see here they had uh, 1,400 people that voted there. 
88% said no to no more refugee resettlement. I mean, so fairly close, maybe 10% difference, you know, but minor amount. Now, the meeting in Cass County was at 3.30 p.m., so keep that in, in note. But when you see those results, I think you would probably presume that, oh, my gosh, you go to these meetings. I mean, clearly it went down. You know, maybe one commissioner voted in Cass County, but that was it. Here's what happened, folks. Today in Cass County, probably 50 people in that room, right, overall, Five people, you can see one of them here, five people stood up. They spoke at the meeting before it started, but all of them, every single person that stood up to speak at this meeting, every single one was in favor, in favor of resettling more refugees in Cass County. Now, based on the poll results I just showed you, you got to go, well, five stood up and talked for it. There had to be at least, what, 25 that stood up to speak out against refugee resettlement, right? Take a guess how many stood up and spoke out against refugee resettlement. If you guessed zero, nada, zilch, none, you're exactly right. Now, one person got up and spoke out against refugee resettlement in Cass County. So what happened in Cass County today, even after that poll we just showed you there online, Cass County voted five to zero saying, yes, yes, we want more refugees resettled here in Cass County. Five zero. Okay, in Cass County. Then you go to Burley County. That meeting took place, kicked off at 5 o'clock earlier today. Here's what happened in Burley County. They had so many people show up at the Burley County meeting. They had to have an overflow room. The chairman of the commission, Brian Bittner, said, wait a second, guys, we could be breaking fire code laws. They had to cancel the vote in Burley County in order to stay, obviously, you know, in law, if you will, with the fire code. That's what I want to get at tonight is how much your voice can make a difference. Now, to be fair, a lot of people are reaching out to me and go, Berg, the meeting's at 3.30 in Cass County. I work. Plus, nobody knew about it unless you're a part of the POV Now Facebook page because we were the only people that were promoting it ahead of the vote. So that's fair. You know, you can look at your Cass County commissioners and go, hey, why are you not talking more about an important topic here and letting us know about that? But at the same point in time, you know, it's also up to us as constituents to go, hey, what's happening in these meetings. So I wanted to lay that out for you just to help you realize that, you know what, your voice can make a difference in these issues. So please use it as you see fit. Now, I just wanted to say, (laughs) I'm really glad that I got on to the people in the Capitol and set fires because what is happening is ridiculous. And this is just in my state, you know, and I don't really, I do, but not really publicly Um, get involved in their politics. They are so, so, so dirty. And, you know, maybe in the second hour, I'll play a little clip just to see how dirty um, it is. But (laughs) I don't know if I should yet. Maybe I should do a whole show about that one. But for now, I just wanted to say, your voice does matter because we're the news. And what Chris was saying is he was the only one saying, hey, this meeting is happening. Hey, they already pre-wrote the letter before the vote to send off to Secretary Pompeo, which means this vote thing is just a, you know, nobody really cares. They're doing it for show, right? They don't care about your voice. It's your turn to turn up because what people need to understand is that we are not people who are governed we govern, we're in charge.
And the more you realize it, the more changes happen. We're sitting back fighting, being on Twitter. Being, the, the point is you need to grab them by the pants and say, that, hold on, what are you doing? If the people in Adam Schiff's district all went there and said, what are you doing? There's elections. You want to remove him because he is hindering your money or, you know, diddling into your little kids stuff, then uh, you need to wait till you go to the polls. Obviously, they have clowns. You can take one and hit him with the other. Uh, They're all one in the same cut from the same cloth, except for Bloomberg, who lies, flat out lies in his advertisements. We'll get to that too. So the important thing you need to understand is that your voice does count. And what you need to do is be speaking up more. Uh, what happened in Burley County, uh, which is the county that has the capital of North Dakota, which is Bismarck, was unprecedented. Okay. That's never happened before because people are like, nope, not happening because they come in here, they take these jobs, they take them at a lower rate. And, you know, for me, it's like, well, we should give, well, wait, hold on. What we're saying is we're importing people as slaves, And we're not supposed to be a country that allows slavery. And I am all for refugees, 100%. I work with refugees uh, as an interpreter a lot. And I could tell you, real refugees have legitimate reasons to apply for refuge status. Hey, I whistleblowed on my general. They killed my cousins and they're coming for us and we're in hiding. That's a legitimate thing. Hey, I was part of this cartel and I want to testify against them. And I tried to, but the Mexican government wasn't protecting me. I need asylum. I need to be a refugee. Hey, I'm a Christian in Burkina Faso and all these Islamist terrorists that are funded by Qatar's money are slaughtering us while we're in church. I need refuge and, you know, Sudan, Mali and all these neighboring other nations that are, you know, pushing for Sharia and everyone either convert to Islam or die. I can't go there. Please help me. That's how refugee resettlement works. Okay, that's when we bring refugees. We don't go out there shopping for refugees and bring them in. And here's the other one. Unaccompanied minors. Why are we bringing kids that have no mom and dad to America? Who's regulating? Who's putting it down? And half of these kids, all of them pretty much have the same birthday, like January 1st or October 1st or July 1st, because they don't even know their birthday. They they come in here and they tell you they're kids and they could be adults, kind of like Ilhan Omar. She said she was a kid. She was actually 18 when she came to the country. But would you know that? No, because her paperwork, nobody knows where it is, right? Supposedly. This is how it works. A whole scandal of Lutheran social services getting paid by other foreign uh, entities to take certain people into the United States has been reported years ago. Yet here they are still bringing them in. That is a problem. And if people don't start speaking up, that's, (laughs) that's your fault. You should speak. In my city, there's a little city of Minot. Here's the thing. They're not designated as a refugee resettlement place. But here's how they're sneaky. 
So they're in debt. And what they did was Lutheran Social Services, Inc., which is the for-profit, decided that they're going to partner up with the city of Minot to build affordable housing or a homeless shelter thing. And so they got government grant money to build on the resilience of the city by doing this. Now, the contract says that Lutheran Social Services, Inc., the for-profit, is eligible to rent out part of those facilities. Guess who they're renting them to? That's right. Lutheran Social Services, the charity version, which means they will bring the refugees, which is guaranteed rent because your tax dollars and my tax dollars are paying their rent to bring in more refugees. Here's your apartment. You don't have to pay for it. The government's paying. So suddenly, Lutheran Social Services, Inc. has... 10 apartments at $2,000 or $1,000 a month, plus the bills paid guaranteed. How does that make you feel? Really upset, doesn't it? This is why it's important to understand that we are the news. You cannot rely on the news to tell you what's going on. And I can tell you that the news out there, what they give you is only what they can profit from. You know, how many times have I said, oh, great, someone else is reporting a story that's not news, talked about it weeks ago. Oh, great, this person's like breaking, so not breaking. On Tory Says, we talked about this months ago. It's because it won't run with the cycles they want. It's all about, hey, how do I run parallel to the fake stream media and, you know, generate some income? I loathe people like that. Or people that take your work and then they say it's theirs. And you're just like, mm, okay, I don't care as long as the news is out there. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, it's just, let's do it correctly. The point of reporting news is to make sure that you um, inform the people that are listening. And none of us are being informed. And here, I'm going to start, before we go to break, with what Tucker Carlson did yesterday, which was inform you of why rural America is going downhill. Vulture investors in my state, corrupt corrupt. Microsoft is everywhere in here. Child human trafficking cartels. You guys remember when we were talking about that Mandan massacre with the guy that everyone said did it all by himself. He like, listen to this. This is what the pe this how dumb people are. They said this one guy who's a chiropractor who was renting on some mobile home lot, right? Entered a building Shot up four people, and keep in mind, all these four people were in different areas and locations, which takes time to get to. Two of those people, he met, he slaughtered. One, a vertical cut, right, from head to toe. Another one, Columbia necktie. Then he collected all the bullets, all the weapons, and changed his clothes and exited the building all in under 12 minutes. Right. Because he's the Flash. Right. He's the flash. According to CCTV, he did all of that in 12 minutes. Super flash. What they omit to tell you is that there's people on the police force in Manda that work with the Sinaloa cartel. The Sinaloa cartel rents apartments from these clowns for their human trafficking stashes. And what they don't tell you is this idiot was living on a lot where these cartels were being a chiropractor. Maybe he handed out some medications. Maybe they came to him or maybe they blackmailed him and said, you're going to go clean this stuff up for us and just go. No one's going to suspect you. Uh, 
And everyone's like, oh my gosh, he did it. And it's like, you're so dumb. You're listening to what the mainstream media is saying and everything. And guys, you know, an investigator called me and he was like, you seem to know a lot about how they died. We haven't released that information. And I was like, yeah, wouldn't you like to know how I get my flies on every single wall? Why don't you do your job and find out who in your police department is working with these cartels instead of pushing this fairy tale to the people that this guy did all of that in 12 minutes? Do you have any more questions, detective? Obviously, he didn't. Because this is where it gets annoying. And this is, and I'm glad that the FBI is all over it. Because his trial that was supposed to be speedy, you know how they burn the bodies after three days, how they open back up and everything. Uh, speedy trial? No. It's pushed to 2020. Guess what? Because discovery, they have to like, it's so elaborate. Yeah, because the FBI is involved because Tory made sure the FBI is involved because the attorney general's office was not doing their job who monitors the BCI, which is the Bureau of Criminal Investigations. They all work hand in hand. How do you think these drug runners work? How do you think these child traffickers work? This is why in California, we have so many sheriffs, cops, BCI guys, all arrested, all locked up for helping cartels. So now the FBI is involved. That's the way facts work. You confront them, you say it, you put it out there. And you know what? It's average people like you and I that'll sit there and call them to the carpet. Call them to the carpet and say, what are you talking? That makes no sense. Like how many of you can believe that a human being can do all that in 12 minutes? You could be a butcher for 30 years. You cannot Columbia necktie one guy and slice a woman from head to toe. In, in, in under 12 minutes and collect bull, bullet casings and shoot another two people. I mean, come on and change your clothes. Come on. This is just how dumb they think we are. They don't tell you how everything is destroyed, how money runs everything, how these networks work. And you know what? Our president is blowing it up. He is completely blowing it up. And this is why at NATO, they are so upset calling him to the carpet like he did to Trudeau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much? Uh, what's your number now? Oh, uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, yeah, but what's your number? Oh, um, 1.35 or oh, 1.4. Yeah, let's just make it bigger. Whatever it is, you need a payment plan, buddy, because you're not paying your fair share. That's the way it is. People that call people to the carpet are most hated because then they empower the people to ask questions. So when we get back, we'll analyze what Tucker Carlson had to say. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. 
Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So let's continue uh, with this uh, going theme of how, you know, these big boys are taking over everything, how they're destroying America single-handedly and enjoying uh, the fruits of their labor and making tons of money at it. Take a listen to Tucker. Having around America recently, you may have noticed that an awful lot of the country seems to have shriveled up and died. Take a trip on Route 2 in Maine sometime and count the boarded up paper mills and abandoned houses you see. Or head down Route 23 in Michigan or Ohio and consider the empty factories ringed with barbed wire. You'll see a lot of them. Outside the coastal cities, scenes like this are everywhere. This is your country now. Shuttered car dealerships next to defunct restaurants across street from thrift stores and methadone clinics. That's America. Community after community desiccated, empty husks with nothing left. Huge swaths of the United States look like that now. So what happened? Well, a lot of things happened. Some of them are complicated and hard to change. But one of the big factors in this slow-moving disaster is the utter transformation of the way our leaders think about the American economy. During the last Gilded Age, 125 years ago, America's ruling class may have been ostentatiously rich, and they were. Go to Newport, Rhode Island for proof, if you like. But it was still a recognizably American class. Tycoons accumulated fortunes, but they also felt some obligation to the country around them. Steel tycoon Andrew Carnegie famously built stone libraries around the country for the edification of people beneath him. John D. Rockefeller and many other so-called robber barons set aside huge portions of their wealth, and in some cases their property, to make this country better. Yellowstone, Acadia National Park, etc. Maybe most significantly, in January of 1914, Henry Ford more than doubled the prevailing factory wage to a then remarkable $5 for an eight-hour day. Ford didn't have to do that, but his company was succeeding, and he thought he should. Some historians trace the creation of the American middle class to that decision. 
Either way, it is nearly impossible to imagine a big company doing anything like that today. Attitudes are just too different. Your average finance mogul looks at workers merely as cost to be reduced or eliminated entirely. Private equity isn't building a lot of public libraries these days. Instead, the model is ruthless economic efficiency. Buy a distressed company, outsource the jobs, liquidate the valuable assets, fire middle management, and once the smoke is cleared, dump what remains to the highest bidder, often in Asia. It's happened around the country. It has made a small number of people phenomenally rich. One of them is a New York-based hedge fund manager called Paul Singer, who, according to Forbes, has amassed a personal fortune of more than $3 billion. How has Singer made that money? We made a lot of it by purchasing sovereign debt from financially distressed countries, countries that were in trouble, usually at a massive discount. Once a country's economy regains some stability, Singer would bombard its government with lawsuits, a massive public relations campaign originating here in Washington, sometimes, until he made his money back with interest. The practice is called vulture capitalism, feeding off the carcass of a dying nation. In some ways, it's not so different from what Singer and his firm, Elliott Management, have done in this country and to this country. Over the past couple of decades, Elliott Management has made billions by buying large stakes in American companies, then firing workers, driving up short-term share prices, and in some cases taking government bailouts, insult to injury. Bloomberg News once described Singer as, quote, the world's most feared investor. And that tells you a lot. No one's even pretending Paul Singer's tactics are good for anyone but Paul Singer and his fund. Consider the case of Delphi, the automotive parts supplier. During the last financial crisis, a consortium of hedge funds, including Singer's Elliott Management, purchased Delphi. With Singer and the other funds at the helm, the company took billions of dollars in government bailouts paid for by you. Obama's auto czar compared those tactics to extortion, but they continued anyway. Once they had the bailout money, the funds moved most of Delphi's jobs overseas and then either cut retiree pensions entirely or shifted the cost to taxpayers. With later financial commitments at home and cheap factories abroad, Delphi's stock soared. According to investigative reporter Greg Pallast, of the 29 Delphi plants in operation when the hedge fund started buying Delphi's debt, only four were still operating in the United States by 2012. That means tens of thousands of unionized and white-collar workers lost their jobs. Paul Singer's hedge fund cashed out for more than a billion dollars. See how that works? Well, some countries, including the United Kingdom, have banned this kind of behavior. It bears no resemblance whatsoever to the capitalism we were promised in school. It creates nothing. It destroys entire cities. It couldn't be uglier or more destructive. So why is it still allowed in the United States? The short answer? Because people like Paul Singer have tremendous influence over our political process. Singer himself was the second largest donor to the Republican Party in 2016. And that is important. See, I've been saying this all along, like in every single state, you have a pool of good old boys. In my state, there's a lot of singers. And one of them happens to be a senator. How do you fix that? How do you fix the problem? By calling them out. By bringing attention to their activities and their actions. Oh, and when you do, you will face enormous litigation. Like Singer does, he will drown you in litigation until you can't breathe anymore. And that goes the same for the government. How dare you claim that we are facilitating drug cartels, a human and child trafficking? We'll show you that is exactly what they do. And 
This is the United States of America, right, guys? Something called due process. I kid you not. Two years now in a civil suit attacking me with a bunch of lies they refuse to provide this. I want this to go to trial. I want the whole world. That is when Tori is going to be reporting on her own case loud and proud so everyone can hear where I bring witnesses, children, people, testimony from beyond the grave from some and annihilate them. This is what you do. You have to be patient. You have to be diligent and you have to be willing to take arrows and mud to your face until that time comes and you think I'm kidding guys you have no idea let me play you a clip from someone who was in the courtroom just a little clip so you can hear it yourself which was so incredible and I was thinking maybe I shouldn't do this maybe I shouldn't report on this but you know what maybe you guys need to hear it Take a listen just a little bit this is real stuff happening in, in the United States this is not Venezuela this is real stuff. Take a listen. Mm, is it not playing? Why is it not playing? Hold on. There we go. Mm, doesn't want to play. That's bizarre. Okay. So this audio might come in a little bit shoddy, but I'm going to try this. Okay. So bear with me. Let me do this. Because this was sent to me. Take a listen. Information related to the claims they've made against her. We're entitled to that information to prepare for trial. So you're looking at what you want us to write down that they use. Right, exactly. That's correct. And also, we want to know what people they spoke to. Um, You know, we'd like to know. Our relationship with 
informants are developed, how an agency elicits information from informants. That's protected under the law enforcement privilege. That's SEC versus Rosenfeld, 1997, Westlaw 576021. That's this, this information is going to disclose how you got the information? Yes. So you're telling me that defendants, they don't know that you use subpoenas? They don't know they make written requests? This is all highly privileged information. Well, as far as I'm concerned, it is. As far as <laughs> the case law says that it is. I, I mean, you can, I guess, the case law you cite to me in North Dakota is, is a privilege that's extended to somebody who's being prosecuted civilly for somebody who's being pursued civilly for a money judgment for something that they did in their official capacity as attorney general. That's a way different privilege than what you're talking about here today. Well, and actually, that's interesting you say that because that's exactly what the, the, the legal authority that Mr. Thompson relies on is, is completely different from this action. It is not those, neither none of the case law that Mr. Thompson relies on is a law enforcement proceeding. So how is someone ever supposed to defend themselves against this type of action if they can't get the raw information from your agency? If they're not entitled to it, they're just supposed to lay down and just take their butt kicking? Well, well no, our, our ultimate point, this is why I said that the, the manner in which he's requested it is improper, is that if it was subject, if it was pursued or requested pursuant to Rule 34, it would be a different scenario than what she's proposed here. She's not issued a Rule 34 discovery request. Well, we can respond to okay, my goal is I'm trying to get this lawsuit off the dead set. You need to give information to them, they need to give information to you, and we need to get this matter to a trial before I retire. That's what I'm trying to do. And we can go back and forth and waste everybody's time, or we can ultimately get to a trial and resolve the issues and let a jury decide. Or let, if it's in front of me, a bench trial. I don't know if this is a bench or a jury trial. I mean, right now it's a jury trial, but maybe not. So let's get that information exchanged so that we can get off dead center. How do we accomplish that? Well, after, since the written discovery deadline has lapsed, and she didn't issue a written discovery request, I, I don't know how, as far as that's concerned, other than she has the information. Every deadline in this thing has lapsed. At this point, yes, but I mean, we issued or requested. We should just schedule it for trial. We requested a continuance prior to the expiry. Okay, so I'm going to stop it there. Just so you guys understand, this is a civil suit, not a criminal suit. They don't want to show what they have. They're upset that, you know, I'm, I, that I want to depose the Attorney General of North Dakota. And, you know, at the end of the day, this is a real, they don't want to show what they did because what they did was illegal. And that is exactly what the judge said. The judge said, do the feds not know that you use subpoenas, secret subpoenas? I mean, they, Gave my whole life a colonoscopy, guys. And kind of like climate change. You know how they tell you, oh my God, the world's ending. Look at these curves from 1900 to 2018. Look at the, or from zero AD to 2018. Look, you're all dying. And then if you zoom out, you see that you're right 
under the threshold of the circadian rhythm of the planet. It's all about micro focusing on one thing. And so they don't want to give up and they're trying to bury me in litigation and costs because when I get to trial, and this is why they requested a continuance, and this is why they've kept this going for over two years is because they use crackheads and, you know, meth users to, you can't use anybody as a credible witness for anything. And all this, all this, get this, should I have registered as a charity or not when I did nothing charitable, which is incredible. Okay. Which is incredible. So if you think that what you see with Donald Trump is unprecedented, I'm telling you, the president is taking a big brunt, but there's a ton of us out there that have been fighting corruption, that are getting buried and buried and buried hundreds of thousands of dollars in court costs and lawyer fees in litigation. And yet they sit there and say, yeah, law enforcement, approved. yeah, but it's not a criminal case. This is a civil case. How is someone going to defend themselves if they don't get it? Yeah, we don't care. Guess what? That is exactly what this clown does when he destroys cities. Listen. He's given millions to a super PAC that supports Republican senators. You may never have heard of Paul Singer, which tells you a lot in itself, but in Washington, he is rock star famous. And that may be why he's almost certainly paying a lower effective tax rate than your average fireman. Just in case you're still wondering if our system is rigged. Oh yeah, it is. Tonight, we want to tell you a little more about how Paul Singer does business. The story begins in a small town called Sydney, Nebraska, population 6,282. Two hours outside Denver, Sydney is the longtime home of the sporting goods retailer Cabela's, which sells fishing and hunting gear. In October of 2015, Singer's hedge fund disclosed an 11% stake in Cabela's and set about pushing the board to sell the company. Cabela's management, apparently fearing a long and costly fight with Singer, announced it would look for a buyer. Now, at the time, Cabela's was a relatively healthy company. It was posting nearly $2 billion a year in gross profits off $4 billion in revenue. There didn't seem to be any immediate need to sell, but Cabela's sold anyway after being pushed. So one year after Singer entered the equation, Bass Pro Shops announced the purchase of Cabela's. The company's stock price surged. Within a week, literally a week, Paul Singer cashed out. He bought the stock for $38 a share. He sold it for $63 a share. His hedge fund made at least $90 million up front and likely more over time. But in Sydney, Nebraska, it was a very different story. The residents of Sydney did not get rich. Oh, no, just the opposite. Their community was devastated, destroyed. The town lost nearly 2,000 jobs. A heartbreakingly familiar cascade began. People left, property values collapsed, and then people couldn't leave. They were trapped there. One of the last thriving small towns in this country went under. We recently sent two producers to Sydney, Nebraska, to survey the wreckage there and to consider what happened. Our producers talked to more than a dozen former Cabela's employees. Almost all of them refused to speak to us on camera, fearful of legal retribution from the famously vicious Paul Singer. But off camera, they told us their story. Here it is. Sydney is, uh, it's a great place to be. This is Sydney, Nebraska, a small town two hours outside of Denver. For decades, a sporting goods retailer, Cabela's, kept its headquarters in Sydney. As the company grew more prosperous, so did the town. Cabela's was the keystone employer. Our motto forever was small town values, big time opportunities. But that motto was turned on its head when Elliott Management Corporation, that's a New York-based hedge fund, 
managed by billionaire Paul Singer, took an ownership stake in Cabela's. When we got the news this company is coming in from New York City and buying a huge stake in Cabela's, that shakes things up. At the time, Cabela's was making more than a billion dollars a year. But Paul Singer's firm sensed it could make a quick buck by driving up the stock price by forcing a merger. The once thriving town of Sydney lost everything. I cried. The second I got the phone call, I couldn't help it. I, I bawled. That's how a longtime Cabela's employee reacted to news that she was losing her job. I had something good going. That was my future. And now I don't really know what my future is. Probably looking at around 2,000 jobs. 2,000 jobs gone? Yeah. Sydney was devastated. He ruined it. A good American town and just uh, destroyed it. Tim O'Connell runs the town's lumber yard. Before the merger, business was great. We were just buried, you know, with, with business. Now his customer base has collapsed. How many new homes have been built since Cabela's and Bass Pro merged? In the city limits here, there's been one. Last one year, house. One house. Before Paul Singer's hedge fund put Cabela's in its sights, Sydney was experiencing a building boom. We're going to build a new housing subdivision to meet housing needs. All these great things were happening, and instead, we are working our tails off to try to figure out a way to survive. For the people of Sydney, it's been a disaster. Those who want to leave Sydney can't go. Housing values have collapsed, tethering them there. For those who want to stay, it's almost impossible to find a job. How long did it take you to find a new job? It took me just shy of five months. And is it as good as your old job? No, not even close. As Sydney collapsed, Wall Street cashed in. Paul Singer's hedge fund sold out before the merger was even complete. The fund made nearly $100 million. Now, this expose that Tucker put on is incredible for many people who didn't know the name Singer. But what if it was your state legislator, your governor, your secretary of state, your federal, you know, a federally federal representative, Congress, Senate, attorney general, you name it, that did this to you? How would that make you feel? Now, that is what is happening across America. And they're doing this by either collapsing your infrastructure, right, by bringing in refugees just like they did in Minneapolis and implementing the only solution possible when you have a collapsed infrastructure, which is socialism. Or those that speak up get buried in debt. I mean, in, in, in the state of North Dakota, the same thing happened in Texas, too. And there's a lot of litigation. But they're actually a lot better at it, I guess, because the Bushes were there very early. But here in North Dakota, the government has literally stolen property from the people. Oil, mineral rights, because out of all the counties here, only three don't have oil. The government knows where there's oil. Your house could be sitting on top of oil and you wouldn't know, but your mineral rights are separate from your property rights because the government said so. I'm just saying what is happening globally uh, with these big private uh, scammers, you know, (laughs) investors or whatever you want to call them, vultures, and we talked about vultures before on the show is also happening globally. And you have to think to yourself, and this is something that, you know, came across me. We have like what's going on in DC, right? Again, corruption, organized crime by people that are supposed to be there to protect us, organized crime by people that we elect. What can you do? How do you fix something so corrupt? 
the one thing you could do is turn over all this information to the Department of Justice, right? And make a public recommendation. And then the truth comes out to the entire world how the U.S. has been meddling in all foreign affairs and that we go to war and domestically uh, our government officials have been attacking us and stealing our money and we're be- they're being influenced by money-driven interests. Or you cherry pick what data and what people you're going to implicate. And you're only going to implicate people that are already in the public eye or that the public opinion approves of so that the chip falls on the head of a few and the others go silently under the radar or you do nothing and you just watch until your whole government collapses. Now, what choices do we have? Be honest. I mean, I'm saying let's rip this bandaid off right now. And this is what President Trump is doing at NATO. They were talking smack about him and we're going to talk about it in the second hour because he's ripping off that bandaid. The Ukraine is their Hiroshima because it is just one of many nations across the world that have not only been taken advantage by uh, representatives of the United States and previous administrations of the United States, but Canada, the United Kingdom, Germany, we could keep going. And all of them are being pushed by people just like Singer. What Singer did to Nebraska is what the whole globalist cabal did to the Ukraine. What the whole globalist cabal did to Sudan and made it South Sudan. What the whole globalist cabal did to every single European nation when they created the EU. This is the reality for so long. Forget the other nations. Let's talk about our nation. When 1776 happened and we signed that Declaration of Independence, it was meant to empower us to understand that we governed and we are not to be governed. And for some reason, over the past 243 years, we've completely forgotten that the government does not govern us. We, we govern and they execute on our behalf. That is the way it's supposed to go. You know, think about it. 243 years, the government has never come after your guns, but they're coming after them now. Why? Because you have a reason to shoot them, right? Because once you find out just how intricate this plot is and how few people are responsible for it, it's not a lot. It's like we're zombies. And that's the thing that we have to understand that they've been doing this for centuries to us since the nation's inception, taking advantage, not just us, but other nations too. Hmm. On our backs, on our dime, kind of like the blimp guy, right? $50 million from the Pentagon, 50 million hard earned federal tax dollars handed off to a guy to think, dream, and, uh, you know, fantasize about a cargo blimp with no obligation to produce one. Man, why doesn't the government give me $50 million? I could sit here and smoke cigarettes, drink coffee, and dream of blimps. I can even dream of blimps that'll go into outer space. Pay me $50 million to sit and do that. Why? Because it wasn't about blimps. It's about money laundering. They take your money and funnel it back. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Like Gavin said to me the other day, what if all the debt that we have as a nation is just the money that they've stolen from us? I'll see you all right after this break. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. 
Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Big tech social media companies have made it their goal to censor and ultimately shut down conservative voices as a way to control political dialogue ahead of the 2020 elections. Few things are more un-American than censorship, yet now, more than ever, we see glaring examples of it daily. Conservative accounts suspended or banned for innocuous postings, while liberal accounts with far more egregious content continue to operate freely and unencumbered. As someone banned on nearly every single social media platform, with even Chase Bank temporarily shutting down online access to my bank account, I understand the dangers of this far better than most. We cannot allow big tech social media companies to continue acting as liberal publishers free from oversight and regulation. Tech companies have used censorship not only as a way to silence those who they disagree with politically, but also as a way to incite violence against conservatives. While conservatives are banned and shut down, terrorist organizations like Hamas and Antifa, criminals and even human traffickers are freely using social media to communicate. Americans deserve a fair and transparent playing field from big tech. And when in Congress, holding these companies and their executives accountable will be a top priority of mine. Go to lauralumerforcongress.com to donate today. I want to thank each and every one of my listeners. Almost a year, no, exactly a year and four weeks ago, I started this radio show. I didn't know that the need, well, I did, but I really didn't know that there was such a great need uh, for news to come through unfiltered, both domestic and global. I'm glad that I am filling a need. I mean, that is what inventions are about. Um, and I haven't invented anything. I've stuck to the wheel. The wheel is something that you can't reinvent. And news shouldn't be reinvented because then they're no longer news. I'd like to thank all of you for all your support because I couldn't have done it without you. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says. For the next hour, I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So today we have the impeachment, uh, you know, through Nadler. We're going to touch on that. Uh, I'm going to, at the end of the show, obviously I'm going to tell you something crazy that you won't even believe that's being pushed right now nationwide uh, that'll make your hair stand up on every inch of your body. Um, and not like cockroaches, like Joe Biden says. Okay. Um, as you all have seen, Adam Schiff had 
retrieved phone records, right, of journalists, of the private attorney to the president, Nunez, the whole nine yards, right? And you have to wonder, um, is he going to tell us with what authority and how he did it? That's a question that is important to answer. But we'll probably hear something like this, the same thing I heard. Take a listen. Cooperation from us, Linda. Exactly. They believe they're going to get cooperation from you. And I don't really care who thinks they're not getting cooperation from anyone. I want the information exchange. That's what has to happen. And that's why I'm asking the question I'm asking. What, what sorry, privilege do you believe you are protecting by giving, by not giving Here's where it goes. That they need to see if you've actually got something. That's the essence of a lawsuit. That's the essence of the discovery rules. We show you everything, you show us everything, and then we go find it out. But that's not what's happening here. Right, and we agree. But the, the point here is that they have gone about it the wrong way. It violates, it, it, it's a discovery abuse to seek to depose opposing counsel. This is recognized by Krieger, it's recognized by Sheldon, which is the leading case on deposing and opposing counsel. I some of these things that are overly wrong. And I agree with this. Some Okay, so you're not allowed, okay? Are you listening? They're saying to depose opposing counsel because the attorney general is supposedly the counsel. So if I can't depose the person that I have written to every single uh, justice division I know, you know, calling him out, if I can't depose the guy that I have been going after for over five years who has retaliated against me with a civil suit because I was right over the target, uh, you know, and it just so happened that, you know, uh, seven months after he filed his civil suit against me but made criminal claims in a civil suit, get that, um, my witness died. He was shot accidentally by a cop in the back of the head, execution style. His name was Danny Fuller from Devil's Lake, North Dakota. I'm just saying, this is exactly what they're going to say now. Donald Trump doesn't have any right to take a look at what we have. We don't need to give him discovery. There is no due process in this. Who does he think he is? Yet, Schiff, explain to us, under what rights, rules, and regulations did you obtain phone records? I mean, is it that easy to get a pen register? I mean, for me, it was really easy. All they had to do was write a letter and say, we want to determine if she should have registered as a charity. Give us her bank statements. Give us this. Give us that. Literally, that is what happened. And people complied, and I didn't even know they were doing this. So, obviously, John Solomon didn't know they were doing this. How much you want to make a bet they got their bank records, too? I could tell you my flies on the wall tell me they do. And this is the way they operate. Mm, this deep state is a real thing because they work with these vultures globally to enslave every man, woman, and child. And the military industrial complex is the way they take our tax money and line their pockets. Ask yourself, how the heck does Barack Hussein Obama have a worth of $150 million? Please let me know what productive thing he has done. Huh? To be worth that. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So how do you get the money? Hillary Clinton. She was so broke. She stole the China. Then how is she worth that much money? 
foundations, charities, right? What else do they use, guys? <laughs> Military industrial complex, handing out grants so people could think about stuff. They're stealing our money, not just ours, everybody else's. Because remember, that blimp dude got $75 million from Ukraine, which was given that $75 million from you and I to help them, supposedly non-lethal help that came back to the same dude, the same Ukrainian. (laughs) And to do what? Where are the blimps? Where is all the stuff that we've been paying for? You know, Gavin may be right. All this national debt could be the fact that they've been lining their pockets. This is why we've had bad deals. Because they don't care about you and I. They care about themselves. It's the Hunger Games. Put them in section one, right? And Bloomberg pretty much spelled it out. In his advertisement, I saw it for the first time yesterday on TV. He's like, yeah, we're going to, you know, make rich people pay more taxes and empower the middle class. Wait a minute, bozo. You said that poor people need to be taxed more so they can't afford to drink, you know, um, sodas and eat potato chips and get things of luxury they want so they can live longer. So it's better for poor people not to have money because then they'll be healthier. I kid you not. He said that yet his advertising makes, it makes him look like, Oh, I'm going to invigor the, the business side of things and do no, you're not. You're going to do exactly what you've been doing all these years. And that's vulture investing. You're just like singer. It is incredible. They believe that every single American here is stupid. So stupid that Adam Schiff comes out on TV to give his little spiel and listen to what he says. Work uh, through depositions, open hearings, uh, and compiling all of the evidence uh, into today's report. It was an enormous task, uh, and I want to uh, begin uh, by acknowledging Uh, The great work of the great uh, and late uh, colleague of mine, Elijah Cummings. Uh, We continue to be inspired uh, by his legacy um, and guided by uh, thoughts of his integrity and uh, the great moral clarity that he always showed in his work. I also want to thank uh, my colleagues, Chairman Engel, Chairwoman uh, Maloney, uh, for their uh, tremendous work as well. This report chronicles a scheme by the President of the United States to coerce an ally, uh, Ukraine, uh, that is at war with an adversary, Russia, uh, into doing the the President's uh, political dirty work. Uh, It involves a scheme in which Donald Trump withheld official acts, a White House meeting, as well as hundreds of millions of dollars of needed military assistance in order to compel that power to deliver two investigations that he believed would assist his re-election campaign. But he omits to say that, you know, Google invested into CrowdStrike and then CrowdStrike suddenly became an American company, took over the DNC server, right? Didn't show it to anyone. Neither the FBI got it or anyone. This clown himself made his mark to become uh, a, a legislator after he, for the third time, third time, three times they took this one FBI agent to court and couldn't prove that he was a double agent because he wasn't. But, you know, it just so happened that eager passed Pasternak's relative was a witness, and that witness is also part of this big drug deal and cartel in California. Credible witness, of course. Um, And uh, basically, he made his mark, and he 
smeared this poor FBI guy as a double agent, which, you know, later on in the court, it was overturned because it was all rubbish. And so what happens is he suddenly goes into Congress and we have this Ukrainian, mind you, listen to the story. Born in Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan, jihadi rule, leaves. His family runs to the Ukraine. They sit down there and he gets raised there and grows up there. In a communist nation in the USSR, he was able to get this, open up his own company. The only people that had their own companies in under the rule of the USSR were what? The KGB or relatives of the KGB or government officials, or their relatives. So then this clown's sister, right after that, you know, win that Schiff had in court, moves to Southern California. And then he decides his blimp company that he opened up in the USSR, he's going to bring it over to the United States. So suddenly, out of the blue, there's a base in Southern California, an Air Force base in Southern California. That's secret, you know, but they're closing down. And of course, they're going to lease space on an active base to a Soviet Ukrainian to start building blimps. And then this same Soviet Ukrainian is sitting with with President Clinton saying, you know, you should do a treaty with the Ukraine so you can send all these bad, bad Soviets that are defunct and send them back to the Ukraine so they could be tried for their crimes. And he's advising presidents. Who is this guy? And not only that, he advised Bush. Hey, maybe you need to give a credit line through the Import-Export Bank of the United States with the Import-Export Bank of the Ukraine. Give them $50 million. It's always 50 or 75 million. Repetitive numbers, guys. So that same bank the U.S., the, the Ukrainian Import-Export Bank, mind you, right now, their board is all in jail, all in jail. They're all in jail. Remember, I told you one of them was actually kidnapped and then re-kidnapped by the government. <laughs> I guess who kidnapped him first? Maybe the ISIS guy who they caught too? I don't know because it's so muddy and so weird. So the government re-kidnaps the head of this whole Ukrainian import-export bank. They charge all of them with organized crime, embezzlement, money laundering, right? And they're linked to the Clinton Foundation, Soros, CrowdStrike, Google, name it. They're connected. Oh, and this same Ukrainian Igor, you know, suddenly throws a big fat party to raise money for Adam Schiff at his house, charging 1000 to 2500 a head. And then Schiff, sitting on the Appropriations Committee, decides to award him $50 million to sit and think about blimps. And not only that, in 2014, remember when I told you at the end of February, beginning of March, John Kerry and um, Joe Biden met with the Burisma owner who was under fire by the UK for money laundering, $35 million. Remember that? Well, guess what? Igor Pasternak was part of that. He was actually in Ukraine and he was doing diplomatic relations. And not only that, he got an award from the Ukrainian embassy for being a congressional advisor. Wait a minute. We've got a blimp maker who went from making, you know, blimps that are advertising blimps to thinking about cargo transport blimps for the government, right? And suddenly he's advising presidents and Congress. Why is no one subpoenaing this clown to say, hey, why were you an advisor to Congress? Hey, why were you an advisor to president. Who are you, sir? Making blimps. Not only that, he's the one that was getting back all the money we were sending to the Ukraine under the Obama administration to help them with Russia. 
<laughs> like, come on. This is like ridiculous. Who buys this? And then you hear Schiff saying he's obstructing just, you know, when all else fails. First it's Russia collusion, then it's Russia meddling, then it's election this, and then it's going against people, and then it's like obstruction of justice, right? And now we're starting the cycle again. Ukraine, which helped the Democrats. Uh, let's not forget Alexandra Chalupa. Um, Ukraine that helped the Democrats, Ukraine that lined all pockets of the Clinton Foundation, the Obama administration, and then some, along with Schiff, Pelosi, Romney, we could keep going, Joe Biden, right, the Ukraine, right, who also offered a job to the current IG of the NSA, we'll keep going, and then we have all this going on, and they're saying that President Trump hired them. To investigate an opponent as if Joe Biden's really an opponent. Let's be serious. And then now they're going to tack on that he is obstructing Congress's investigation, who is using secret subpoena pen registers and filing cases, right, to literally penetrate private citizens. With no due process because he can't. You can't even hold this clown accountable for lying in Congress because you remember that click that I played you from my court case and I want to thank those people that keep tabs on my court case like that for me. I appreciate it because it's really, really hard. Um, I wanted to say that it, just in that case, oh, when, when you're doing stuff in your official capacity, you have some privilege. But when you're not, you don't. And this is the problem. You know, in my case, they weren't doing anything in their official capacity uh, per se. This case, he's doing something in his official capacity because he's sitting in Congress and he's leading it. So you can't even slam him for abusing the intelligence community, the intelligence access, the federal databases to pull things. Who knows? He might be pulling stuff from you and me, too, because you tweeted about him because you're talking about little kids because he can't. Who's going to stop him? That's what they're banking on. Are you going to stop me? You can't do anything. What are you going to do about it? This is exactly the type of attitude they have. And it's like that smirk on someone's face that you just want to slap off. Listen to what else he says. Uh, and I want to underscore, first of all, just how important that White House meeting was to Ukraine. Ukraine has a new reformer as its president, uh, President Zelensky. A meeting with the most important patron of Ukraine, the President of the United States, in the Oval Office carries enormous significance both to the people of Ukraine, but as equally important to Russia. That the United States has Ukraine's back in its conflict with a nation which invaded its territory. The military assistance is also absolutely essential. Uh, as President Zelensky goes into negotiations with Vladimir Putin, the fact that the United States is providing substantial military assistance approved on a bipartisan basis by Congress is enormously important. The withholding of that aid, even for a period of time, sends a disastrous message to friend and foe alike that the United States does not have the back of its ally. So these were things that Ukraine desperately wanted and needed. At the same 
Okay, so if you read my article, I told you how Schiff was pretending to fight back against Obama, saying that the Ukraine needs all this, the Ukraine needs all that, because he needed to get more money for his friend Igor, because they needed more money, because elections were coming up in 2016, remember? So he was pushing, pretending to be like push and pull with Obama, when it was all a facade. They were all making money. All of them were making money. And right now they are so defiant that even Pelosi went out to Europe and defied the president. Oh, well, we're still in climate change. This hoax. I have an article that is three quarters of the way done. Super hoax. And you know how? Follow the money. You want to know how this is a hoax? Amalgamated bank, right? Union run bank. Why are they suddenly a climate change bank? I kid you not. They bought a climate change bank. You need to look and try it as bank in Germany and in Amsterdam and in France and in Belgium and in Luxembourg. They're literally hoarding all your money and redistributing it to themselves because they're telling you, you should feel guilty for breathing because you human has destroyed the planet you drink coffee with a straw do you remember the turtle with the straw in their nose how dare you yeah because you threw that straw there see pollution and climate change totally different things climate change is that you actually affect the whole planet which is impossible to even say that we are because all the real science says that we don't hmm so I'm not seeing where it's coming from. It's just a facade. It's a fear tactic. And this is how they use fear. Kind of like imagine if you saw a big tall building with 5,000 innocent Americans going there just to get a paycheck. And suddenly a plane rams into it and it bulges up in flames. And the government said, Darn it. See, you don't let us surveil you. We can't put cameras in CCTV. You don't want us listening into your phone calls. We can't give you a colonoscopy every time you try to enter an airport. It's all your fault, American, because you don't trust to let us monitor you. And this is why jihadis got on that plane and killed all these innocent people. So suddenly you're like, I don't want to be in a building where a plane comes at me. And oh my gosh, it's my fault because I want to keep my privacy that all these people died. Do you see how that works? Fear and shame go hand in hand. Kind of like, oh my gosh, the planet's going to burn and it's all your fault because you drink with straws. It's all your fault because you use hairspray. It's all your fault because you want to drive a car. And I'm telling you all of this from my jet. Hoax. Hoax, hoax, hoax. All these people need to be ripped out. The job that President Trump is currently executing, the tasks that he has taken on are so immense, you can't conceive it. And this is just one part. I've talked to you about start. We've got nuclear weapons in the sky, man. We could do that. And he said it. I mean, it'll be ugly. It'll be really, really bad if anybody pushes that button. It is up there. Putin said it. It's up there. And all of these globalists are freaking out. The plan was all set. Why did this guy come along? He's ruining it. Let's ruin him. Sitting there talking like little gossip girls. Oh, did you? Yeah, he like totally did this. Huh? Trudeau, Macron, and Boris. Boris was just there for the ride because he just wants to be the cool kid. He's the guy that has a bit of a conscience, but he's that, you know, kid that never has the cojones to stand up for what's right. He'll, you know. When you don't stand for anything, you stand for every, you fall for everything. Sorry, when you stand for nothing, right? That's the way it is.
So, you know, uh, suddenly the Democrats, oh, how embarrassing. They were making fun of him. Yeah, because he called them to the carpet. Macron married his elementary school teacher. The geriatric lover is going to sit there and tell us when he called NATO brain dead. He has the highest unemployment rate probably in the world right now in France. It looks like a shift hole, right? Uh, Paris does not look like Paris used to look 10 years ago. He has absolutely no control. You saw what happened with the Yellow Jackets. It's not about gas. It's not about energy. They're not even telling you what's it about. And it is ridiculous that this little short dude that can't, oh, shaking his finger. And then you have Trudeau that sounded excessively feminine. Maybe he's like taking female hormones or something who sat there and he's like, so what's your number? Um, yeah. So like we send troops and do things. What's your number? I don't know, like 1.3, 1.35, maybe 1.4. Still need a payment plan, dude. You're not paying. And so they hated that he called them to a carpet. I would have loved for him to say, you know what? I'm thinking about maybe I should pull out of NATO. That would make him sweat because suddenly NATO, their leading army is Turkey, the Muslim Brotherhood. <laughs> Let's see how that works out for you. Let's see. So then we have Turkey running the show for NATO. And then you've got the United States, which is the number one superpower on the planet right now. Finally, number two is Russia. Number three is China and all three of them independent from NATO. Not looking good for NATO, is it? That's exactly what we should do and make them sweat because that's the thing. What you guys need to understand is there's so many levels to this pedophilia. That's not just about sexual pleasure and food. It's about them living forever. Organ donations. Wait till you see my new article. What if I told you that they're trying to mandate that all of us are organ donors? Does that terrify you yet? Does that terrify you if the doctors are sitting there on top of you while, you know, you just finished surgery and they make it seem like you're brain dead because they said so. And suddenly your heart is a match for George Soros's son and they want that heart because he needs to live longer. They need your liver. It's for him to live longer. Let me tell you something. What are the odds that you're going to, you know, be able to wake up? You're not. You're done. You're done with a capital D. You're done. That's the problem. We're not paying attention to all the things that are happening. Cartels are the lower level on the pyramid running things for these clowns, for the nefarious side of things. The things that they can't take from you by, I don't know, climate change or we're giving them some aid. Again, I direct you to the USAID annual audit report. They cannot reconcile with Treasury. That tells you everything you need to know. And here we are sitting here picking and proting, you know, just, oh, look, impeachment. Oh, look this. Look at the bigger picture, guys. I want you to stand on that moon and look down. We're slaves. We just haven't realized it yet. And in the United States, we are the last frontier because they have mesmerized us with Hollywood, with music, with advertisements, with idiotic terms and making us doubt science, right? Doubt science, not just climate change, but you know, actual biology and sitting there mesmerizing us and making us zombies to the point that we'll just forfeit everything voluntarily because they know that they can't take it from us because we're still armed. 
That's why the big push to take away our guns. This is why suddenly people are shooting places up when they weren't shooting places up before. That's the thing. Every single state right now has a bill sitting in there to tick your organs. How does that make you feel? How safe do you feel? This is exactly one of many that are coming. And all you have to do is listen to Nadler's opening statement, which, by the way, he had his pants at a very good level today. Take a listen. On this later. The quorum is present. This is the first hearing. This is the first hearing we are conducting pursuant to House Resolution 660 and the special Judiciary Committee procedures that that are described in Section 4A of that resolution. Here is how the committee will proceed for this hearing. I will make an opening statement, and then I will recognize the ranking member for an opening statement. Each witness will have 10 minutes to make their statements, and then we will proceed to questions. I will now recognize myself for an opening statement. Mr. Chairman, parliamentary inquiry. Mr. Chairman. I have, I have the time for an opening statement to parliamentary inquiry. is not in order at this time. The facts before us are undisputed. Hold on. Wait a minute. We need to listen to Nadler very clearly, okay? Hold on a second. Let's get this up. I want to get this perfect for you guys because you need to hear this. This is a very important statement that Nadler is going to make uh, because – You know, we soon forget this is how they mesmerize us. We don't realize what's wrong, what's right. We don't realize what's now, what's later. And, you know, timelines are converging and the convergence is coming and they don't want it to happen. And this is why they silence you. The effect of impeachment is to overturn the popular will of the voters as expressed in a national election. We must not overturn an election and remove a president from office except to defend our very system of government or our constitutional liberties against a dire threat. And we must not do so without an overwhelming consensus of the American people and of their representatives in Congress of the absolute necessity. There must never be a narrowly voted impeachment or an impeachment substantially supported by one of our major political parties and largely opposed by the other. Such an impeachment would lack legitimacy, would produce divisiveness and bitterness in our politics for years to come, and will call into question the very legitimacy of our political institutions. The American people have heard all the allegations against the president, and they overwhelmingly oppose impeaching him. The people elected the president. They still support him. We have no right to overturn the considered judgment of the American people. That was Jerry Nandler. But guess what? It was Jerry Nandler 20 years ago. And see, what he said is correct. But right now, what do we have? A one-party impeachment. What do we have? Them disregarding that the population does not want to impeach our president. Yet, such an impeachment to them is legitimate now. Do you see what I'm saying? This is why. Why? Here's in the beginning of the statement, he makes it clear to you what they're doing. Just a few seconds. Listen to, listen to this again. The effect of impeachment is to overturn the popular will of the voters as expressed in a national election. We must not overturn an election and remove a president from office except to defend our very system of government or our constitutional liberties against a dire threat. And we must not do so. 
So you know what they're doing? They're defending their system of government, their deep state government. That's what they're doing. And the dire threat is the exposure that they're going to take. This is Jerry Nadler defending a pedophile, a rapist, a killer. Bill Clinton. Yet President Trump, who has done nothing but rounded up pedophiles, rounded up killers, and exposed all of the nefarious doings that they have done, is to be impeached. That's the threat to their system. So as you listen to his opening hearing, remember 20 years ago, how he supported a pedophile, how he supported a killer and a rapist. On July 25th, President Trump called President Zelensky of Ukraine and in President Trump's words asked him for a favor. That call was part of a concerted effort by the president and his men to solicit a personal advantage in the next election, this time in the form of an investigation of his political adversaries by a foreign government. To obtain that private political advantage, President Trump withheld both an official White House meeting from the newly elected president of a fragile democracy and withheld vital military aid from a vulnerable ally. But when Obama withheld the vital military aid in 2014 and 2015 and gave them non-lethal aid later, it was no big deal because at that time you guys were strong arming them to meddle with their election, sending 250 permanent employees to marshal their elections in your words and to help them with their judiciary problems of corruption. In other words, lay off Burisma, lay off CrowdStrike, lay off the bank, lay off Bogdan Motors, we can keep going. So basically, because it wasn't filling your coffers and stealing from us, in essence, stealing from us to fill your coffers, it suited you. But now that we're like, yo, hold on a second, they've been using USAID to fill up blimps, surveillance blimps, because a Goodyear blimp is super incognito, you know, a blimp that could be surveilling the borders of the Ukraine with Russia, you know, a BB gun could take that down, an arrow, a flaming arrow can take it down, but it's totally legit. This is what they're telling us. When Congress found out about this scheme and began to investigate, President Trump took extraordinary and unprecedented steps to cover up his efforts and to withhold evidence from the investigators. And when witnesses disobeyed him, when career professionals came forward and told us the truth, he attacked them viciously, calling them traitors and liars, promising that they will, quote, go through some things, close quote. Of course... Yeah, they will go through something. So what are we going to do, guys? What are we for? This is what we need to be voicing uh, out on Twitter and on Facebook. What are we for? This is why we should be calling the White House and leaving messages. Rip the Band-Aid off. We don't care if the whole world knows that the previous administrations came in and messed up their countries and started wars to become rich because their own people let it happen, kind of like the slave traders. We're sitting there saying, all these white men came on ships and bought slaves from the River Niger. Well, actually... It was their own people that sold them. So here it is. We need to throw the blame to everyone right now in offices globally and say enough is enough and rally up the people. That's a big task though, right? How do you rally up every single person? We've tried. 
We've tried tons of avenues. There's social media. There's writing articles. There's being on boards and talking about it and invigorating them. We're trying. But we need to make sure that all of you are sharing the right message and getting it to the people that need to hear it. Like, why isn't the Republican Party subpoenaing Igor Pasternak? Why are they not going to subpoena this congressional advisor to tell us exactly what happened in 2014, 2015? Where is he gone out of the country? Where is he? Why is he untouchable? Where are the blimps? This is not the first time that President Trump has engaged in this pattern of conduct. In 2016, the Russian government engaged in a sweeping and systematic campaign of interference in our elections. In the words of Special Counsel Robert Mueller, quote, the Russian government perceived it would benefit from a Trump presidency and worked to secure that outcome, close quote. The president welcomed that interference. We saw this in real time when President Trump asked Russia to hack his political opponent. The very next day, a Russian military intelligence unit attempted to hack that political opponent. When his own Justice Department tried to uncover the extent to which a foreign government had broken our laws, President Trump took extraordinary and unprecedented steps to obstruct the investigation, including ignoring subpoenas, ordering the creation of false records, and publicly attacking and intimidating witnesses. Then as now, this administration's level of obstruction is without precedent. No other president has vowed to, quote, fight all of the subpoenas, unquote, as President Trump promised. In the 1974 impeachment proceedings, President Nixon produced dozens of recordings. In 1998, President Clinton physically gave his blood. President Trump, by contrast, has refused to produce a single document and directed every witness not to testify. Yeah, because that's giving credence to the merit, but it's kind of like, and I'm going to like, not saying that I'm going through the same thing, but I'm kind of paralyzed, parallel, parallel on this. I'm not giving them crap until they give me what they have. You show me yours, I'll show you mine. God, that's the way it works. So what they're saying is, you need to give us all this because we said so, because uh, we're investigating because we feel like it. Even though there's no crime, we're still looking. So you need to comply. Like, wh- wh- what is this, Venezuela? What is this? The USSR? Hitler's, you know, regime here where I don't like you, so I'm going to investigate you. So you need to, like, comply. And you're just like, let's pretend I come to your house and I'm like, look, I'm an investigator. And I think you did this. And it's like, all right, so where's your evidence? Where's your complaint? Where can you prove this? You're going to give me information so that I can prove it. And it's like, uh, what? Uh, that's not how it works. This is exactly what's going on here on a bigger scale because this is a bag of tricks that these magicians have to take care of anyone that's problematic to their agenda. So the other thing is they don't want to share their tricks because then they'd have to admit that they had wiretaps. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. You think that Schiff only subpoenaed? Remember how I told you there was a wiretap? I need you to remember that. I need you to remember that because the good guys are everywhere and whatever technology they use against us, we have against them. So 
like in my case, when they produce things, it's going to be like, wait a minute, the law says in order to do this, you must have this. Did you have this? No, um, no, we didn't. <laughs> then you broke the law. Give me your law license and now go to jail and don't pass go. And even if they, let's pretend, even if Schiff and all of them right now, found something on President Trump. If they have sourced it illegally, it gets thrown out. It's kind of like a cop stops you, right, and checks your car because, you know, he was tipped off but had no reason to stop you except for hearsay, right, hearsay, or doesn't like you, and stops your car and finds one ton of heroin in your trunk. Did he stop you lawfully? No. You didn't have a blinker out. You were driving the speed limit. Dash cam says so. Guess what? You walk away with no charges. That actually happened just about a year ago. So let's pretend Schiff collected all this information with illegal wiretaps. Let's pretend. And some of it were true. That, oh, that could be considered something that you're saying is true. Can it be using? No, because it wasn't lawfully sourced. Right. So this is why they don't want to show what they got. This is why they don't want due process, because it's like you illegally did it. So and you manufactured it. So you got to admit that you wiretapped the White House. You've got to admit that you paid people to say things. You've got to admit that you orchestrated this whole thing to remove the person that is a thorn in your side. (laughs) This is happening across the nation in many courtrooms. And why wouldn't it happen in the White House? I told you, corrupt people are creatures of habit. That's the thing. You know, for the president, we already know who he is. But what if it happens that they unmask people? Now, that's when they can get in real trouble, especially when they've gotten red flags here, red flags there. You can't, you can't, nope, nope. That's where you stop. So the bottom line is, When you start an investigation like this impeachment, you better have a solid crime. You better have a solid rhetoric to back up your actions of initiating an investigation. Because if you've started an investigation that we've paid multi-million dollars for, and it was just because you didn't like the person, you're retaliating because you lost a lot of money in Venezuela with his executive orders. I mean, you weren't allowed to have your gold mines anymore. You weren't allowed to have your bank accounts anymore. The government seized all that. Your child trafficking source, you know, your dealer for kids suddenly in jail. All your friends going to jail. Ed Buck going to jail. Your doctor, NBC dude going to jail. You know, you're you're pissed. You're like, nope, this shift is not happening. I'm going to get you. Yeah, you better make sure you have something when you're going to go get him. Because that's where it comes down to. So when someone doesn't want to comply, it's because it's bogus. It's giving merit to the rubbish they're doing. And the more he does that, the more desperate they become. And that's actually worked for me too. Because I learned my tricks from Brennan. (laughs) I've said it. So I know their tricks. Same trick. Creatures of habit. And what you do is, just like they use technology against you, we use it against them. Just like they use their bag of tricks against you, 
We use it against them. That's the way it goes. This is plain and simple. It's totally, you can see right through it. It's the same thing. Same thing. You're like, wait a minute. This is America. Why doesn't the president have due process? Why can't he see what you have? Why can't he meet his accuser? Why can't he? Why, why, why? Mm. Are they going to say that the whistleblower is protected, the privilege? Just like in my case, they have privilege. No, you don't. This is no. In my nation, I have the right to meet my accuser, says the president. And yes, he does. In my nation, this free nation where the people govern and you do their bidding because you're supposed to be a public servant, right? Not us serving you. We're supposed to have due process. Not happening. Where was the due process for John Solomon? I just want to know. Where was the due process for Nunes and all these private citizens that they haven't shown what they got on? (laughs) Think about it. Where was that due process? You know, it's really funny that the Google um, uh, co-founder like steps down and this. Just like that's really weird. Didn't we talk about Google guys about election meddling Google? I'm just saying. Oh, and by the way, I'm no longer allowed to use Google AdSense. I think I'm I'm at that point of where Alex Jones is. I mean, even Laura Loomer can use Google Ads. I can't. That's where we're at right now. Because Google is a big problem. And these Alphabet companies, Alphabet Inc., Alphabet agencies, Alphabet, big deal. And this is how big this war is. They're hitting us on spiritual. They're hitting us on tech. They're hitting us on privacy. They're hitting us on every single level. And our president is fighting it by himself while he has snakes at his feet. Think about it. Those are the facts before us. The impeachment inquiry has moved back to the House Judiciary Committee. And as we begin a review of these facts, the president's pattern of behavior becomes clear. President Trump welcomed foreign interference in the 2016 election. He demanded it for the 2020 election. In both cases, he got caught. And in both cases, he did everything in his power to prevent the American people from learning the truth about his conduct. On July 24th, the special counsel testified before this committee. He implored us to see the nature of the threat to our country. Quote, Over the course of my career, I have seen a number of challenges to our democracy. The Russian government's effort to interfere in our elections is among the most serious. This deserves the attention of every American, close quote. Ignoring that warning, President Trump called the Ukrainian president the very next day to ask him to investigate the president's political opponent. As we exercise our responsibility to determine whether this pattern of behavior constitutes an impeachable offense, it is important to place President Trump's conduct into historical context. Since the founding of our country, the House of Representatives has impeached only two presidents. A third was on his way to impeachment when he resigned. This committee has voted to impeach two presidents for obstructing justice. We have voted to impeach one president for obstructing a congressional investigation. To the extent that President Trump's conduct fits these categories, there is precedent for recommending impeachment here. But never before in the history of the Republic have we been forced to consider the conduct of a president who appears to have solicited personal political favors 
from a foreign government. Never before has a president engaged in a course of conduct that included all of the acts that most concerned the framers. The patriots who founded our country were not fearful men. They fought a war. They witnessed terrible violence. You mean the patriots, the ones that were going against George Washington's, the one that said, no, we cannot leave the United Kingdom. Even though we pay taxes, we have safety with them protecting us. They guide us. They give us governance. And all of their people that are coming to England on their behalf are taking over big land estates. Have you guys seen that show Outlander? I urge you to watch it only because I'm a super fan and I'm a sucker for romance like that. Um, you know, time travel romance time traveling and all you know what I'm saying but um, it shows them in the colonial times and how England would send them uh, out and they would appoint them as governors and they just take over places (laughs) like literally and so back in the days they were really salty when George Washington everybody can get it here, you can make your own colony. Here, you can do this. Go out west. Explore. Let's do this. You know, I mean, a lot of states weren't founded till the turn of the century. 19, like 1888 was when this state was founded that I'm in. Or is it 1889? One of the two. Um, which has a really weird flag that says, out of many, one. Just saying. The only one that has that presidential eagle on it, too. Just saying. Pointing that out. So, Listen to what he's saying. They're trying to protect the government that they have orchestrated on the backs of the people of the United States of America. It is appalling. It is horrific. And I cannot believe the lies that they are spewing. So I'm going to skip. Well, we should listen to the last minute of his opening statement, right? They overthrew a king. But as they met to frame our Constitution, those patriots still feared one threat above all foreign interference in our elections. They had just deposed a tyrant. No, they didn't. They were deeply worried that we would lose our newfound liberty, not through a war. If a foreign army were to invade, we would see that coming, but through corruption from within. Oh, you mean the the stuff that they're doing, like, uh, you know, having our elections being tallied overseas by a company where you can't even check if they're fiddling with the votes, that the Department of Homeland Security is also in contract with them, and they're a foreign entity, and all these nations and McDonald's are part of this conglomerate, but on the other hand, you want to make sure elections are okay. Of the Republic, they asked us, each of us, to be vigilant to that threat. Washington warned us, quote, to be constantly awake, since history and experience prove that foreign influence is one of the most baneful foes of Republican government. Adams wrote to Jefferson, quote, as often as elections happen, the danger of foreign influence recurs. Hamilton's warning was more specific and more dire. In the Federalist Papers, he wrote that the, quote, most deadly adversaries of Republican government, unquote, would almost certainly attempt to, quote, raise a creature of their own to the chief magistracy of the Union. In short, the founders warned us that we should expect our foreign adversaries to target our elections and that we will find ourselves in grave danger if the president willingly opens the door to their influence. They can't fathom that we voted for him. The best president on the planet. 
How can, they, so they can't fathom that we voted for him, you guys. They can't fathom that. And come in because we want to make this important. And this is impeachment because we've done such a terrible job of it in this committee before. But what's not new is basically what's just been reiterated by the chairman. What's not new is the facts. What's not new is it's the same sad story. What's interesting, even before I get into to my part of my opening statement, was is this what was just said by the chairman? We were we went back to a redo of Mr. Mueller. We're also saying, quoting him, saying the attention of the American people should be on foreign interference. I agree with him completely, except I guess the American people did not include the Judiciary Committee because we didn't take it up. We didn't have hearings. We didn't do anything to delve deeply into this issue. We passed election bills, but did not get into the in-depth part of what Mr. Mueller talked about, taking his own report and having hearings about that. We didn't do it. So I guess the American people doesn't include the House Judiciary Committee. You know, the interesting, we also just heard an interesting discussion. We're going to have a lot of interesting discussion today about the Constitution and, and other things, but we also talked about the founders. What's interesting is that the chairman talked a lot about the founders from the quotes, and, and again, this is why we have the hearing, about the founders being concerned about foreign influence, but what he also <laughs> didn't quote was the founders being really, really concerned about political impeachment because you just don't like the guy. You haven't liked him since November of 2016. <coughs> The chairman has talked about impeachment since last year when he was elected chairman. Two years ago, November 6th, 17th, before he's even sworn in as chairman. So don't tell me this is about new evidence and new things and new stuff. We may have a new hearing room. We may have new mics. And we may have chairs that aren't comfortable. But this is nothing new, folks. This is sad. So what do we have here today? You know what I'm thinking? I looked at this. And what is interesting is there's two things that have become very clear. This impeachment is not really about facts. If it was, I believe the other committees would have sent over recommendations for impeachment. No, they're putting it on this committee because if it goes badly, I guess they want to blame Adam Schiff's committee and the HISPC and others want to blame this committee for it going bad. Um, but they're already drafting articles. Don't be fooled. They're already getting ready for this. We've already went after this with the Ukraine after numerous failings of Mueller, Cohen, annulments, the list goes, emoluments, the list goes on. But the American people are actually failing to see us legislate. But if you want to know what's really driving this, there's two things. It's called the clock and the calendar. The clock and the calendar. Most people in life, if you want to know what they truly value, you look at their, you look at their uh, checkbook and their calendar. You know what they value. That's what this committee values. Time. They want to do it before the end of the year. Why? Because the chairman said it just a second ago. Because we're scared of the elections next year. We're scared of the elections that we'll lose again. Yeah, they're going to lose because we're going to the paper ballot. So we've got to do this now. The clock and the calendar are what's driving impeachment, not the facts. When we understand this, that's what the witnesses here will say today. What do we have here today? What is really interesting over the today and for the next few weeks is America will see why most people don't go to law school. No offense to our professors. But please, really, we're bringing you in here today to testify on stuff that most of you have already written about. All four, for the opinions that we already know, out of the classrooms that maybe you're getting ready for finals in, to discuss things that you probably haven't even had a chance to say, unless you're really good on TV or watching the hearings for the last couple of weeks, you couldn't have possibly actually digested the Adam Schiff report from yesterday or the Republican response in any real way. Now, we can be theoretical all we want, but the American people is really going to look at this and say, huh? 
What are we doing? Because there's no fact witnesses planned for this committee. That's an interesting thing. Frankly, there's no plan at all except next week an ambiguous hearing on the presentation from the HIPS, the other committee that sent us the report, and Judiciary Committee, which I'm not still sure what they want us to present on, and nothing else. No plan. I asked the chairman before we left for things. Here's their plan. for impeachment. The Constitution defines treason, and the term bribery basically means using uh, office for personal gain. So the Constitution, he says, defines treason, but it does not define bribery. See, they're bringing these professors. So if you're at the University of North Carolina Law School, this is the guy you need to avoid. This is a shill. And we have Harvard professor up there, too, that was talking. Um, you know, I might actually do like a special bonus hour and upload it for you guys just to analyze the shills here uh, because it's incredible. Here's a soundbite. Says my Department of Justice cannot charge me with a crime, the president puts himself above the law when he says he will not cooperate in an impeachment inquiry. I don't. This isn't an impeachment inquiry, Mr. Noah Feldman. Have you visited Jeffrey Epstein's island? Because a lot of the people at Harvard have. This is exactly what we're going up against, you guys. A bunch of gossip girl, a bunch of witnesses testifying to things that they didn't witness, a bunch of hearsay, and they're getting away with it? Not so fast. Because we're governing, not them. And it's about time people use your your voice. I mean, look, in the little... Doohickey, 250,000 population in Bismarck. Their voice is being heard to stop refugees. Uh, Your voice can be heard to stop this charade. How do you make it heard? Keep talking. That's all you have to do. Talk, talk, and talk. And call them to the carpet. I'll see you all tomorrow. Same time, same place. God bless from all of us at Red State Talk Radio. A long way from the suits in D.C., but close enough now to see this mess. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. They grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.